Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Steelers Cast, Episode 4, A New Hope. This is Chris Bradford, Steelers uh, beat writer, along with Chris Mueller, talking a little bit about the, the Steelers this week, as we always do on the Steelers Cast. Here we are in the city of champions in Pittsburgh, still basking in the glory of the uh, Penguins' fourth Stanley Cup championship uh, the other day. Chris, big news around town. A lot, a lot of talk about uh, sports, a lot of talk about hockey. Right. Never hurts. Yeah, uh, it's just they couldn't get it done at home Thursday night, uh, so they go back to San Jose. Luckily, you know, win in Game 6, where it would have been pretty scary had they lost last night and have to come back here for a Game 7 uh, where anyone could really take it. But congrats to the Penguins. Congrats to the fans that have experienced championship after championship here uh, in this smaller city. Yeah. They, they have it very good. Yeah, I haven't... Uh... You know, obviously, we're not neither of us are native Pittsburghs, but I, I didn't understand the whole aspect of this, the the Penguins winning in the city, but Pittsburgh. You know, I'm one of those people like history only records who wins the title, not you know where they win. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, obviously this is a Steelers show. You know, the Steelers have won, you know, six championships. Uh, yeah. You know, post in the Super Bowl era, but obviously they never win it. Well, yeah, it's different it's in the NFL. Site. It's in a neutral site, and but the Penguins had an opportunity to win. Uh, Pittsburgh's first championship in the city for the first time since 1960. Since Bill Mazeroski. You were out there on the south side uh, enjoying the... <laughs> I was Thursday night. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, Thursday night it was, a, it was a great scene early. I mean, they had that plethora of goals in the first period, 3-2, and then uh, it kind of uh, dimmed out after that. No one really scored for the rest of the game. And it was people were, were on the edge of their seats and they were ready to watch a championship in their home city. I mean, we saw all the people outside console uh, center for the watch party that night, but they couldn't get it done. And it was funny, like right after they lost, Southside was like two different two different scenes. It went from being really crazy. It took me thirty minutes. Well, Southside's always a little crazy. Yeah, it took me thirty minutes to get into a bar, and okay. that was like the only one. That was the shortest wait. And then as soon as they lost, it just fizzled out. And See, I, I got to live vicariously through you, so I like to hear about your, about your <laughs> yeah. exploits and uh, going out and the being co- social. The college life, yeah. When, when, yeah, when you have a, you know, a five-year-old daughter and <laughs> you're in your early 40s, this is what happens. You got to live vicariously <laughs> through younger people. I just thought it was interesting. Since 1960, Pittsburgh hasn't gone more than 14 years without a, uh, a major pro sports title. You know, the Steelers, Pirates, Penguins. Only New York and L.A. haven't had, haven't had to wait that long. And obviously with New York and L.A., you have you know, multiple teams mm-hmm. in each sport. So kind of really interesting for Pittsburgh to, you know, kind of hang its hat on it. And the last time the, the Penguins won the Stanley Cup 2009. Same day, June, June 12th, yeah, correct? Seven years later. But also that was only a few months after the Steelers had won the Super Bowl. That was their second in three years uh, after winning the 05 championship. So these things, hey, maybe they his- come in clusters. Maybe history will reverse and repeat itself. You know, Penguins take a Stanley Cup, Steelers a few months later. Hey, go go Super Bowl. We don't know, but also, I, when I think of those cities, I think of Boston. Just how how many championships? Maybe not like the drought speaking, but you have the Celtics who won an NBA Finals. You have the Patriots. You have the Red Sox. It's kind of at least in my generation, they have lucked out and experienced several championships. Now you're showing your age because I certainly remember when the Red Sox were you know, went. Forever, 86 years without a title uh, right. before 2004, and the the Bruins had gone since 72 until 2011, and the, yeah. the you know the Celtics had their glory in the 80s, but and, they had the Patriots beginning in 2000. They hadn't done anything really. They they went to the Super Bowl in 97, they got beat by Brett Favre, and then 
20 years before that, they got destroyed by the 85 Chicago Bears. But uh, certainly interesting times in Pittsburgh. You know, maybe history repeats. We shall see. Maybe, who knows, maybe even the Pirates will win. Now, that would be interesting. <laughs> it's not looking good right now, especially with the Cubs uh, doing what they're doing at top of the division. But, hey, you never know. They sneak in as the wild card. All bets are off. You know, it's baseball, too, so you can't really take anything from right now. It's all who's playing well in September and into October. Certainly high times, and we will wait to see what happens with the Steelers uh, come this fall. But certainly they are a team that I think most people have uh, projected to be one of the teams standing when come seasons end. When we come back, we'll be talking a little bit about the Steelers and their tight ends. A lot of goings on there uh, this offseason, certainly with the retirement of Heath Miller. We'll see you in a little bit. Welcome back to the Steelers cast on timesonline.com. Now we're going to turn our attention to matters on the field and we're going to look at the Steelers and their tight ends. Uh, it was kind of a bigger story in this offseason than I think a lot of people expected with the unexpected uh, retirement of Heath Miller. Mm-hmm. Miller, obviously the greatest tight end in Steelers history. He's going to be difficult to replace. Yeah, and I mean, he's been there so long. Steelers fans have been accustomed uh, to uh, consistency at that position. But, I mean, overall, I mean, he's been here so long. What would you say your top memory is, I mean, since covering the team of Heath Miller, you know, maybe a moment that he kind of signifies his career in a Steelers uniform? I think... You know, it might not have been an on-field moment. I think what he brought on the field was a consistency that you mentioned, yeah. but also a professionalism that, and a leadership that was you really can't quantify in the statistics. You know, I, uh, in an era of offensive tight ends where you're seeing kind of more glorified wide receivers, Heath was still sort of that old-school blocking tight end who also could catch the ball, and that was really uh, unique in, in this day and age. And he was kind of a, a nice safety valve, if you will, for Ben Roethlisberger. You know, whenever something was collapsing in the pocket and Ben was trying to extend plays, you know, he could always find number 83. Yeah. And obviously, when he, whenever he made a catch, you, you know, you always heard 65,000 people, he, eh. you know. Uh, but the one singular moment, it was actually something that happened last season. It was when Ben was hurt and Landry Jones comes in at quarterback and Antonio Brown doesn't get a ball thrown his way. It's behind him. A game in Kansas City, you see AB throw his hands up. And we thought maybe that was the end of it. Well, with turns out what happened was he had a little sit down with number 83 who didn't appreciate what had happened on the field you know thought he was showing up Landry Jones they had a little conversation and I think that really not only helped the Steelers I think was it had, on like could you see it on on camera or no, was no, that something you field, heard about yeah, after was, the game was, you know secondhand Antonio Brown said a few days later what had happened that that Heath Miller was the guy who, who, who had to talk to him mm-hmm. you know because Roethlisberger wasn't there at the time with the injury you know that it was you know the quietest guy on the team who was the guy who stood up, you know, said something. You had to say something to Antonio Brown that, hey, we don't do it like that here. Especially with a backup quarterback you right. know, in one of his first or his second appearance. And it was sort of just that dignity and professionalism. You know, if you interviewed Heath Miller, you would never guess, you know, this is Heath Miller, the, the tight end. You know, he's so quiet, very humble uh, Southern guy from uh, Virginia. First yeah. name, little known fact, Earl. Earl Miller. Earl so Miller. So sometimes people would call him Earl. Uh, Earl Sweatshirt. Yes, Earl. Yeah, you, Earl. Don't, you won't know that reference. <laughs> Nick will, our, our video guy, is a rapper. But, yeah. uh, Earl Heath Miller uh, retires at age 33. Yeah. 60 receptions last year. That's going to be hard to replace. He had uh, 535 yards, which you know about uh, an average season for him. You could see his game a little bit in decline. You know, with the Steelers having so many weapons, maybe he wasn't going to get the ball as much as he he did. You know, maybe a few years ago before the knee injury. But Heath Miller, he's going to be hard to replace, and that's why, you know, maybe it was Martavis Bryant's suspension, you know, the other big storyline of the season. 
but I think acquiring Ladarius Green, mm-hmm. it was kind of an unsteelers like move, getting a big name, big time free agent. Yeah, and I mean, with that, I, I did get a chance. I wrote a story on the tight ends during uh, week one of OTAs, and that was specifically something I asked Jesse James about Heath Miller, kind of because it was Jesse's first year in the league last year. He came out of college a little bit early. He's young, uh, inexperienced role adjusting to the NFL. And I said, what, I asked him, like, what were one of your biggest, what, you know, what really factored into you making this adjustment and transition and kind of doing it pretty smoothly towards the end of the season? And he immediately answered Heath, you know, just the presence he had in the tight end room with film work, taking care of your body, the right nutrition, which really helped Heath be a consistent player and not miss a whole lot of games. And yeah, Jesse just speaked very highly of him, obviously, but also a Pittsburgh was, guy too. Yeah, that was the reason why uh, you know it was kind of easy, or at least helpful, for Jesse to come into the league. Another guy, Matt Spath, who is still around. He's going to be an older veteran and helping these young tight ends around. But you're right. The big storyline right now is Ladarius Green. He has not participated in OTAs because of an ankle injury. He got surgery right after the off season. But a lot of people are expecting. Uh, big things from this guy, especially with the money the Steelers gave him in free agency and what he really did in San Diego. Yeah, he's uh, 6'6", 237, certainly possesses the height. Uh, he's, he's a little bit on the slim side. He, he's not you know, as big a guy as you might expect. There's been some questions about his blocking ability, which has always kind of been a mainstay with the Steelers, certainly with Heath Miller it was. But I think uh, Green brings an element that the Steelers haven't had in that position. This guy's more, more of a uh, pass catcher than Heath Miller is or projects to be more. Uh, career high last year, 429 yards. He always kind of played in the shadow of Antonio Gates out in San Diego. Uh, have 37 receptions. What kind of numbers do you think we can look for him? Do you think he can get 60? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, with all the receiver targets that you have on the outside, I'd say 55 to 60 is, is reasonable. I mean, this is his first, this is his time. As you said, he's been playing in Antonio Gates' sh- uh, shadow. He's kind of the second guy out there. This is his chance to be the primary target. Uh, out of tight end so yeah I mean we'll see because some guys handle that differently it might take him a few weeks to really get adjusted especially because he has not participated in offseason workouts he doesn't have a full grasp (coughs) of the playbook and the routes and timing with Ben Roethlisberger which he'll probably get down during training camp but it always helps as a new guy coming in uh, for these you know four or so weeks to really get acclimated to a new team yeah I think that's going to be really key for him because uh, Roethlisberger and Heath Miller, as we mentioned earlier, had such a chemistry being you know, kind of the safety valve. It's going to take some time for Ladarius Green to, to really get in there, but the Steelers are going to need some, a lot of production from him, you know, given the Martavis Bryant situation. He is a playmaker uh, behind Ladarius Green, who's obviously the number one. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned Jesse James. It's interesting what happens with his career. It's, I wouldn't say it's a snub. I don't think there was any surprise that the Steelers were interested in getting a, a tight end either. In the draft or through free agency, free agency turns out they get Green, who was you know arguably the biggest name out there. But I, I liked what we saw from Jesse James last year, and I think the the arrows pointing up to use a Mike Tomlinism on uh, Jesse James. Played eight games last year, had uh, eight receptions for 56 yards, one touchdown. I like what we saw from Jesse James, and I think he can continue to build on that. And even if he is the number two receiver, I don't mm-hmm. think that that's really any knock on Jesse James as yeah. much as it's. Yeah, Ladarius Green's ahead of him. And he, as well as a receiving tight end, he set the record at Penn State for career tight end touchdown receptions. I think he had 12 or something in two or three years. So, I mean, but with Ladarius Green, I think James is really going to be called upon to be a blocking tight end because he's going to be, I mean, you obviously know, especially if Ladarius 
his his you know his strength is the receiving game. You're going to need Jesse James to come in sometimes be that second tight end. Uh, I mean, they do have Matt Spath. Obviously, he's more of a blocking guy. But this is the year where, I mean, in your sophomore year, you either go through a th- sophomore slump or you really take the next step in your progression. And uh, he can he can really prove himself to be a reliable option in the passing game. And we mentioned Matt Spath. Now he's uh, 32 years old. Uh, big body, good blocking tight end. I, I like what he brings in terms of leadership and a spe- on special teams. He's kind of a, a versatile guy in that sense. You know, not going to get the ball a lot. Probably not going to say a lot, but I think Ben Roethlisberger likes having him uh, yeah. in, in that uh, rotation of tight ends. Outside of those three guys that we mentioned, I think there's one guy we've, one guy. Kind, of, we've kind of circled. Mm-hmm. Xavier spent a little time on the practice squad last year. Xavier Grimble, a USC product. He's in his third year, second or third year, I'd say third, um, out, of, you know, out of college. He was on the practice squad last year. But he's come into this OTAs and really impressed a lot of people. I mean, I think it's a unanimous thing that he's one of the guys that has stood out, uh, especially with Green out. And so it's James and, and Matt Spath hasn't participated much in OTAs. Yeah. Matt Spath, obviously, is yeah, a veteran. Spath's not going to participate in a lot of practices. or yeah. He's a game day kind of guy. Yeah, so it's been James and Grimble primarily. And, I mean, he's stood out. He's come into camp. He, I, I wrote a story on, on the tight ends. As I said, I got to talk to Xavier. And he's, he's come into camp a lot better shape which I think did you see much of him last year I mean in terms of seeing him in his conditioning this year as opposed to last year because he looks he looks good he's a run, you know running fat everything you can really ask for yeah he's a big body he's uh you know I, I think what he showed last year you could see why he made the practice squad it's always just a matter of numbers how many tight ends do the Steelers take do they keep four tight ends if they do the keep question. a fourth guy uh Xavier Grimble 6'4 257 certainly a big body he had a uh, pretty decent college career mm-hmm. you know if they do keep four tight ends i would say xavier grimble has the fast track on that job over but, but they do have a fullback tight end option from tennessee and david johnson other two tight ends worth mentioning the steelers bringing back david johnson uh spent some time here with the steelers 2009 to 2013 so a little bit of his uh last season with the steelers only played five games that year you know a decent uh, ability had 22 receptions for 216 yards in his uh, time with the Steelers. Spent the last two years with San Diego because the Steelers are stockpiling on former Chargers tight ends. Just a body at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's a blocking guy. He's someone who can come in. The, the good thing about him is that he can play a little bit of fullback, too, like we saw Will Johnson did last year. On a versatile where Grimble doesn't bring that as much to the tables, and especially on a special teams aspect. He's a guy that's played with the organization before. So he's someone worth mentioning that if they do keep four tight ends and they want some more versatility and familiarity and familiarity with the organization, then that's where they could really maybe select him over Grimble uh, on the 53 man. Yeah. Just 29 years old. He's a possibility. The other guy is uh, Paul Lang, former Michigan state guy who played uh, with Spartans with Le'Veon Bell a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He is a Pittsburgh native. He comes to the Steelers uh, was just signed recently during OTAs. Yeah, he's a Mount Lebanon guy. And a Mount Lebanon guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't. he just came in. I don't see him making – maybe he's a practice squad. Very fresh-faced uh, yeah. kid. Yeah. I, <laughs> Very young-looking guy. Yeah, he is. He is. I mean, he, he, it's a good opportunity for him. He, he's been – he worked out for a lot of several teams. He participated in two rookie camps uh, so far. And now he's here. He'll get a chance during training camp likely to try to earn a spot but I don't see him I don't project him much more than anything but a practice squad guy if that right will be interesting to see uh, 
how this will all unfold. And, of course, it will all start in training camp later in July when the Steelers report to St. Vincent College for their 51st training camp out in Latrobe. And, of course, we will be covering that. When we come back, we'll be talking a little bit more about the Steelers as we close up Episode 4. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to the Steelers cast on timesonline.com. Chris Bradford with Chris Mueller. It is, of course, the silly season of the NFL season, and being that it's summer. And one of the sillier stories that came out, or maybe non-stories of the uh, recent few weeks, has been the Ben Roethlisberger Donald Trump story. I know you've been watching or listening. Yeah. yeah. Turns out it was a non-story. There was, uh, I guess, Donald Trump said during a campaign stop here in uh, Moon Township at the Pittsburgh International Airport that uh, he had the support of Ben Roethlisberger and he was going to speak during the Republican convention in Cleveland. Well, it turns happen. out not quite the truth. May have been kind of telling a little bit of a tall tale there. I guess Roethlisberger oh, that's has denied. Very surprising from Donald Trump. <laughs> Someone, Donald Trump, lying? No, no, no way. Well, I think all politicians are tend to yeah. might be lie where stretch stretch the truth a little bit that may have been a little bit of a whopper yeah uh so ben roethlisberger came out and i think he told ed bichette uh, from the post pittsburgh post yeah he said no i will not be endorsing him i will not be speaking but they are friends i know well yeah i mean he is a golfer yeah you know i'm sure donald trump has a lot of acquaintances and that's what roethlisberger said he's an acquaintance yeah and ben said that he uh there's been a few games Trump has called him afterwards to congratulate him. I thought that him. was a little odd. I can't... Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't even take... Maybe, well, I don't, uh, maybe not right after a game, but I could see him like, talking or leaving a text message or whatever. I mean, whatever, they golf. Yeah. Donald Trump owns golf courses. Ben Roethlisberger, of course, loves the golf. And we saw Tom Brady did endorse Trump recently, so I think he's, yeah. he's getting... He wants... He even uh, told someone in the media, or a media report came out that he wants speakers at his I think it's his debate or something at his convention who are winners I think was the yeah or, or athletes rather than people in the media and politicians yeah. which is kind of uh, surprising I mean we see President Obama really is a, is a big sports fan but I'm, Trump doesn't take me to be as knowledgeable in the world of sports I mean I would say I would imagine he's a sports I mean I, I would think boxing at least because he's had so many uh, fights at his casinos over the years yeah you know, I just I'm not sure I understand Roethlisberger I'm sure has views but he's always been pretty good about staying away from that you know whenever these election years come up you know of not saying anything and I think he prefers to to keep it that way yeah. I'm sure he has views I'm just not sure that he this, wants to be involved like yes, that yes and I'm not sure that this is the candidate necessarily that, that he wants to hitch his wagon to that he's going to put his neck on the line for because I right mean now. Trump says a lot of crazy things and radical things and we don't know especially with the election moving forward him versus Hillary Clinton what could really come out and I just don't think he wants his name associated yeah and I'm you know again I think we mentioned this uh, in the previous uh, podcast about Roethlisberger and you know how his image has taken a hit nationally because of the, the incidents uh, that he was accused of but never charged with that's kind of important to yeah, but I think that's kind of held him back, and I'm not sure that exactly. how much credibility he would have on and at that stage. And I feel like that would be a point where democratic democratic people, you know, they could attack Trump. That oh, look, you have this supporter in Ben Roethlisberger who has a history of you know, domestic yeah, you know, and violence I, I and things think... like that, and he did, Roethlisberger would rather stay out of that, keep yeah, his I, name I, clear. I think he was smart on that. I'm sure you know yeah. he has his opinions and he's entitled to them. Uh, we mentioned Muhammad Ali in the last podcast who passed away recently. 
you know, about an athlete who took a stand and, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I applaud athletes who take a stand. I'm not one of those people who, you know, if an actor says something or an athlete says something, I don't care what they have to say personally. You know, they, they're free to say whatever they want to say. I'm mm-hmm. also free to just mute them out and yeah, not I mean, give any credence to someone who really probably doesn't know what he's talking about to begin with. I think it depends on the athlete especially too. I mean, and, if it's someone it's, I do respect the opinion of, I think is a knowledgeable guy. Um, like with the Orlando shootings that just came out, LeBron James, kind of the face uh, of an organization, he started out his press conference by you know, addressing that situation. Mm-hmm. That is someone I'll, I'll kind of listen to. I mean, because especially all LeBron does with putting the kids through co- college, I think he's he's uh, spending millions of dollars. I saw a report came out. I think it, it might be above the 20 millions. He's putting 1,200 students through uh, a college, you know, paying for their college in Ohio. So he's someone that I would I would respect the opinion of. I'm also not going to think too hot, like too much into it. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it is it's positive when athletes, especially with that kind of stature, that kind of uh, people that follow him, kids that grow up that idolize him, if they t- say something knowledgeable about uh, a world event, a situation, mm-hmm. a tragedy that it is worth listening to. Yeah, I, I just think if you're going to say something, you better have like a righteous cause and you better be on the right side of history because mm-hmm. you know if you're on the wrong side you're going to look like a dope real quick and yeah. uh, I guess Ben Roethlisberger you know whether he agreed to it at some point and then you know had second thoughts but I, I definitely think he's he's making the right move yeah so definitely. that's going to be it for politics this week <laughs> hopefully the last hopefully yeah. the last but I'm sure you know yeah. it's that uh, every fourth year we kind of have to get uh, talk about it a little bit yeah. so hopefully you're you're still listening or watching. You can, hopefully this isn't too jarring to see the two of us here on video. So we will uh, we'll have to do it again next week. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Take care.